you'd like to turn in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 1, we will review what we uh, read last week and talked about, and then uh, we'll go into the first three verses of chapter 2. Shall we pray? Almighty Father, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that... that these truths are, are powerful and quick, that you exist and that you have spoken and that we can build all of the issues of faith on these powerful tenets, that you are the communicator, communicating God and you have communicated to us through your word. Now I pray, God, that you'd speak to us again today, that you would refresh us and build us up in our most holy faith as we read, and as we believe, and as we apply the truth to our life, that you would be glorified, that we would be strengthened through the name of Jesus. Amen. I do well to get my notes wet ready. Um, So beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I trust that you had a, a good conversation last week as you discussed uh, 
the idea, the presentation, the truth that God has presented here that uh, man, mankind, men and women are created in his image. And discussing uh, what that means and, and just uh, the incredible high place that mankind had, had been given by God in the order of creation. And considering the fact that even though that through sin, through disobedience, Adam and Eve disobeyed and, and they fell, and they fell from that position and place, that through Christ we are reinstated to that place of being God's representatives here on earth. We represent Him and we represent all that He's called us to to be the ones who look out for and attend both people's needs and all of creation. It's our call, it's our privilege, and it's our duty before God. And so now we, we go, and the focus of our intention, uh, our attention today will be God rested. It's repeated here several times. God rested. And we need to consider what is meant by that. First of all, the Almighty does not grow weary. Luke just read that to us. That's a, a point well taken in chapter 40 of Isaiah. The Almighty does not grow weary. The Almighty never needs to sleep. That even though he is the source of powers and power comes forth through him, the power of creation, the power of sustaining creation, the power of providing for creation flows through him that as power is released, not one ounce, not one particular iota whatsoever is diminished of his power. Using his power does not diminish his power. Now when we use our strengths, uh, it, has a, it has an end. We come to an end of it. If we push ourselves with all of our might, all that we have and all that we are, uh, we can only go so long. There's a limit. There's a boundary. But with God, it is not so. The Almighty does not weaken or grow weary. And He does not slumber. He does not sleep. He's never asleep on the job. He's never dull-witted. He's never uh, in, a, in a state of some kind of um, being out of it or out of touch. He's always present in the moment, everywhere, with everybody and everything. Amazing. The more we consider it, the more amazing it gets. Our amazing God. So, God rested. Is God rested is drawn from a word, Sabbat, the root of Sabbath, the, and literally means ceased from. He ceased from creation, the work of creation. Now, that doesn't mean that he ceased working. He never ceases working. Remember the words of Jesus? He says, my father works until now and is still working, and I am working. With my Father, I do the works 
of my Father. The things that I do and the things that I say are the very things that the Father has given to me and that I see Him saying and doing. I do likewise. From, I have several comments through here from, from a commentary. These, these aren't original words of mine, but I think it's very well stated. It is the rest of achievement, achievement, not inactivity, this rest of God that we're talking about in chapter 2 of Genesis. It is the rest of achievement, not inactivity, for he nurtures what he creates. Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, to, to underscore that statement. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of a majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Our Creator continues to work, holding all things in their order and in their place by the word of his power. He's engaged. It's not like, it's not like the deist claim that God, yes, created the world and then, and then wound it up like a clock and set it on its course and everything now just goes on that course. No, he's actively evolved, participating, speaking, and continuing to speak and holding all things together in the universe by the word of his power. We may compare the symbolism of Jesus seated after his finished redemption. When we speak of the creator, we know that John identifies him as being the word and the word was God and the word was with the word was with God and the word was God's identifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, let's take a look at that. The symbolism of Jesus seated after his finished redemption. Hebrews 10, and I'll read verses 12 through 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, 
waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So we, we see this place of Jesus being seated in a place of repose and in satisfaction. But again, it's not inactivity. We know that he is actively participating and carrying out what he's begun in the work of salvation and of sanctification of his people. And he continues to work to that end. We see that he's actively engaged with his people for he always lives to make intercession for us. And that is that he's standing in the gap for us. That he's standing in that gap against our enemy who would desire to destroy us as our protector and defender. And he's standing in the gap between us and a holy God, presenting his hands and his feet for all eternity as the evidence and the proof that the price has been paid. You and I, the imperfections and the scars and the things that have occurred to us that have uh, in some way impaired us or scarred us or marred us or marked us, our new bodies will not bear those. When we go to heaven, that we'll bear none of that scarring. It'll be completely renewed and will be no marks or marring will be upon us. But upon the Lord Jesus Christ, those marks for all eternity will be visible and tangible and evident as the internal reminder of the finished work of the cross, of his great love, his great passion for his people. And so though we see him seated, that does not mean that he's inactive, but he is actively participating with us in Hebrews chapter 7, we see him in that position of intercession. In verse 25, it says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is actively continuing his work on our behalf, both as he speaks and as he stands and as he sits on his throne. In the book of Isaiah chapter 58, 13 through 14, and then Deuteronomy chapter 5, 12 through 15, these two versions of the fourth commandment give the twofold meaning of the seventh day rest for Israel. So I'd like to read them and then, and then talk about that, about that rest that would be initiated, that would be pointing back to creation that we just read about. And so Isaiah, first Isaiah, Chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. 
If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from, key, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And also Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any other livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The celebration, the twofold meaning. One, the celebration of God as creator. Two, the celebration of God as redeemer. The Sabbath's purpose was to grace God's people, to grace their bodies with the rest of the, of the Genesis rhythm, and to grace their souls with heaven's rhythm, providing Israel with respite from their labors so they could focus on God and gratefully celebrate Him as their Creator and Redeemer. Now, Entering Christ's rest. I want to talk about that a bit. In the book of Colossians. And chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. Colossians 2, 1 through 17. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. That would include us. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him 
the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised in a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I take this, um, I take this issue very personally on two count, and I want, I want to, um, to share stories from, from my life, some things that occurred along the way. One, very early on in my walk, before my walk with the Lord began, but while I was a seeker, and while I, I, I wanted to please God, while I, I, I just had come uh, out of a time of, of uh, serving a jail sentence, and, and uh, God had used that in a positive way to, to see that I really needed to sort things out and to steer my life in a new direction. I came to see that not only did I fully, did I fully deserve to be in jail for what I'd done, I understood that there were a good many things my life through that I should have gone to jail for. I realized that, I recognized that, and I wanted to change. I desperately wanted to change, and I came out. So I came out, and I was in that state of desiring to change, and, and uh, not long after that, I think within the first week of being out of jail and being in that mode and, and contemplating these things, uh, a, a, sales, a Bible salesman came along, a, a couple, a woman and a man. And uh, they were selling Bibles, and uh, they sold us, they had uh, uh, as a sample and something that they were selling, this, this uh, giant Bible that was white, it looked like a, a holy, holy thing. And the man looked holy, and it, and it appeared as though they had everything that I needed. And so I bought this Bible, and instead of, uh, instead of being wise and just reading it, I went to the back of the Bible and gave a list of questions and answers. And it talked about things, and, and basically uh, Paul here is addressing in Colossians some of the effect that the Judaizers were having on Christians of, of uh, tripping them up by saying that it's not enough to just trust in Christ, that you need to be circumcised and you, and you need to keep the Sabbath and you need to do these things. And so this, uh, this uh, question and answer book had within it the idea that, that uh, it was necessary to please God to, to abstain from certain foods, the, the Jewish uh, regulatory list of foods that were to be uh, avoided. And, so, and also said that 
to please God that you needed to worship on the seventh day and in fact that, uh, that it was the mark of a beast to worship on any other day or to worship on Sunday, that it was wrong. And uh, so uh, I was, again, I was a seeker. I wanted to please God. And so I, I took those things to heart. And, and, I, and I quit eating pork because that was one of the things that was obvious on the list that I often ate a lot of and, and I loved it. And, but this was the depth of my, my desire to please God. But see, this was a complete distraction from what I really needed to do. And I eventually came to a place of really re encountering the living Christ, of receiving him into my heart, and being set on a new course of life, finally having the power by the Holy Spirit to stand against the things that were pulling me down, to quit drinking and to make a stand to quit drinking, to quit using tobacco and to make a stand and to keep a stand in that position because of the power of Christ made the difference. and entered into his rest. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is your Sabbath rest. And something noticeable that we see when we go back and, and take a look at Genesis chapter two, chapter two, that it doesn't conclude like any other day by the words and the evening and the morning of the day, that conclusion. That Sabbath rest was something that, that has an unending perspective. And we enter into it by faith in Christ. Another, another story, a young man in prison after moving ahead in, in my story, after I'd been walking with the Lord several years and I'd become a pastor and I was preaching and teaching. I was teaching in a Christian school. And this young man landed in jail and he remembered being at our church when he was a youngster and, and hearing the gospel. And so he connected with some of the people that had taken an interest in him then and knew him. And through that connection, they uh, gave him my address to begin a, a conversation with him through letter writing. And he was so excited about what he had found in Christ and wanted to return to Christ. And, and things were happening in his life that he was soon going to be released. And he was, because his uh, ex-wife had failed in the custody of their daughter and, and failed to do her responsibility, that he was going to be given custody because he had been going through all of the programs that he needed to do in jail to get his life right and on track. And, and so I had made uh, a commitment to him to help him with that. I had uh, gone to the headmaster, the principal of the school, and talked to him about this, this man's situation and asked him if there was some way that we could write a letter of appeal to the churches uh, in the community to support this young man and to bring, uh, to provide a scholarship for his daughter that we might assist him in raising his daughter once he got out of jail and to have this help and assistance. And, and I, I was, 
and through the letter writing, I had this personal connection with him. But then I, I was saddened one day because I got a letter from him where he expressed to me that, that someone had confronted him in jail and said to him that you do not know the gospel and you do not have a relationship with God because you do not even worship him on the right day. You do not even know what God has established to be the Sabbath day. And, and he was, as you can imagine, that, that his joy and his peace was disturbed. And so I did everything that I could in writing a letter to him and, writing and, and bringing him through the scripture and bringing you through some of the things that I'm even saying today and try communicating to you to, to draw him back to a place of centering on Christ and trusting in him with all his heart, with everything that he is. That it's not about a day, it's about a person. And this rest is eternal and ongoing every day. Every day is a day to celebrate creation. Every day is a day to celebrate redemption. Because we've been redeemed from something far greater and far more intense than what Israel was in in bondage to Egypt. We've been delivered from Satan. We've been delivered from darkness. We've been delivered from bondage to sin. And we celebrate that, that redemption. Every day, every day, every day is holy unto the Lord. And we enter his Sabbath rest by faith in Jesus. But apparently he didn't believe me. I never heard back from him. I've never heard from him since. A very sad, sad season of my life. Don't let anybody undermine your confidence in the person of Jesus Christ by keeping anything, but only keeping in communion with him personally. Are you resting in the joy of what Christ is? Today, Jesus, the creator, sustainer, and God of the universe and redeemer says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. From Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30. The comment following up from a commentary, you will never find rest apart from redemption in Christ. But when you come to him in faith as your creator and redeemer, you find a Sabbath rest for your soul. His own rest that he has enjoyed from creation. Will you come in faith, believing and trusting in him? Will you renew your commitment to him? Even as we, Luke leads us to the Lord's Supper. Let it, let it be an expression of your trusting in Him and Him alone, alone and His finished work. 
to save you to the uttermost. Because he stated it. He's working at it. He's interceding for you. And he will not fail. For he does not grow weary. Ever. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are all in all. Help us to maintain our focus on you, no matter what distraction or distortion may come our way. Help us not to ever be pulled away from our confidence in Christ, nor our children, nor our children's children, that we might maintain a Christ-centered focus of life as a body of believers bringing glory to your name. In the name of Jesus we ask. Amen.